0: Soul family, and welcome to the Walk On Podcast, the podcast where I try to demystify spirituality, personal growth and healing, and whatever else I feel like talking about. I'm your host, Britt Cannon, and this week's episode is called The Teachings of Suffering. I've been thinking a lot about this because I feel like I say this every episode, but I've been having like a hard time. I think I've been like teetering on the edge of burnout for like like a couple months maybe and it just like hit me so hard this week and and it was you know the kind of week that like doesn't give you time to be burnt out for real so like everything crashed like all my good habits crashed my like I couldn't get enough sleep I just needed to just like reduce the activity in my life as much as possible and just like take care of myself and And, but I have this thing when I get burnt out, I think everybody does, where like all of my like healing and the ways that I've evolved my thinking processes and like my ability to keep myself thinking in a positive direction versus a negative direction, like just my negativity takes over. I just slip back into those default settings and I just like become a humbly grumbly little devil <laughs> and I've been getting on my nerves all week because I'm just like so negative and and like I always give myself grace in those moments because I I like know that it's not gonna last forever I know that there's a reason behind it you know what I mean like I think this is why it's so important to find words to describe your experience or especially your struggles because if I can just call it burnout and i can just look at the facts of like the the recent history of my life and i can be like oh right like it's just burnout it's not that i'm like a piece of shit person it's not that i'm lazy it's not that i'm like making up excuses for why i can't be functional i'm actually incredibly functional on a day to day basis when like all my needs are met and i'm you know i'm functioning well but I can't be expected to function well 100% of the time and like when I am struggling it it benefits me much more to take care of myself and be gentle with myself and and just like not take it too seriously (laughs) Um, because it it subsides much more quickly than if I'm just like Yelling at myself and beating myself up, and like, or trying to push through it, which is like one of the biggest mistakes I've made my whole life is just like, you know, berating myself for being human and trying to force myself to push through. Obviously, like, this is what happened this week. You know, there are circumstances outside of my control that prevent me from like resting as much as I need to for real. Like, in a perfect world, I would have just stayed in bed all week, but. Uh, I couldn't, so I just had to like, you know, be as gentle with myself as I did what I had to do because it was really hard and, and you know, the clouds are starting to lift. Like I rested a good amount. I had a little fun. Like I spent some quality time with my partner. I just like asked for what I needed, which I know, like I did a whole episode about it last week, but it's so hard still. It's like, I understand it. I know how to do it. But oh my gosh, is it hard. (laughs) It's hard to even know what you need in the first place, let alone like communicate it to somebody else. And you know, I got a a wonderful comment on my TikTok from last week where someone said like, I'm going to listen to this video until I don't feel shame asking for help. And I think that's really sweet and like it makes me feel, feel really good. But it's also like I still feel shame when I need to ask for help. You know, I I don't think like perfection should be the goal. Like, I think it's always about just doing it anyway. Like, I know the the like cliche feel the fear and do it anyway is such a like cheesy, overused sentiment. And it's one of those platitudes that people throw out when they're just trying to be like kind of dismissive of your problem and and not really like dive in any deeper than that they just say certain things like you know it's all part of god's plan or whatever <laughs> it's just kind of like okay stop talking about it now like i don't want to be burdened with this so it's not it doesn't feel good to receive those messages sometimes but like it is true it's so important to like do it anyway and i guess i didn't mention that last week but that is a something I want to add is like, I struggle with all of these things. You know, I'm still working through all of these things. I like, you know, I realized at a certain point that there's no shame in asking for help or there's no shame in experiencing burnout. Living in a late stage capitalist hellscape, like it's a normal reaction to an, like an uh, unacceptable situation. (laughs) But, but like you know, I still struggle with those feelings because we've all been programmed to expect certain impossible things out of ourselves from, you know, as long as we've been alive. So it's just about doing it anyway. <laughs> um, but anyway, I like, I have started getting my brain together. And one of the things that helps me the most when I'm really Coming out the other side of like a period of suffering, and you know the word suffering sounds really loaded and heavy and like big, but you we suffer in small and large ways all the time. Like suffering is suffering. <laughs> there are obviously situations that make us suffer worse, and there are ones that are like minuscule in comparison. But but suffering is suffering. So like <laughs> this was a period of suffering. Um, even though it was small in comparison to ways I have suffered in the past, but one of the things that helps me kind of get my footing in coming out the other side of it is, like, realizing that it was showing me something, or that, like, I was, that in some way I, like, needed that experience to shine a light on something either within me, or in my life, or, like, something that needs changing, or something that I need to heal, and and I know this sentiment gets on people's nerves as well, that, like, suffering can be a teacher, or that there's a lesson in suffering, you know, I think when people hear that kind of thing, their defenses go right up, and their ego wants to protect them, and, like, they, you know, there are things that feel really senseless, and there, there are many things that are really senseless, and I understand you know, when people say things like, my trauma didn't make me a good person, like I'm a good person in spite of my trauma or whatever. But, well, <laughs> it, it, I get nervous when I talk about things like that, this because uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing or like be off putting or like dismissive, or I just want to leave room for everyone's experience. But just like speaking from my own. Like, suffering has been one of my greatest teachers. Um, Most of the most beautiful souls I've met in this lifetime have been people who have experienced great suffering in their lives. And also, some of the most vapid, like, seemingly evil, (laughs) challenging people I've known in my life. Um, have been people who have experienced great suffering. So it's not that suffering is like inherently going to make you a better person or whatever. I just think like so many things in life, it's your reaction to it that determines how it transforms you. And, you know, there is this like sort of Buddhist notion that like to live is to suffer. You know, like being born is there's suffering in that. There's, like, pain in that. You're being ripped from the universe, made into a physical being who can, like, experience pain and loss and heartbreak and fear and (laughs) and rage and, like, all of these feelings. And, uh, you know, it's pretty unpleasant to be down here overall. (laughs) There have been so many times in my life where I was suffering so greatly that I was like, why did anyone make me? Like, why was I forced to be down here? I don't want to be here. And... So, you know, this, like, Buddhists believe that to transcend suffering, you know, is the goal of, like, our souls here incarnated, like, by the time we leave each lifetime, it's, you know, you've done a great job, you, like, get an A in life school if you can transcend suffering, and there's, like, lots of different perspectives on, like, what that means, I don't, maybe I'm not, like, that level of enlightened or whatever, but, like, for me, it's not about perfect transcendence of suffering. Like, it's about understanding and embracing the full experience of being human. And once you get to that point, um, you know, life becomes really... uh, fluid you know effortless in a way like it's not to say you don't struggle or you don't get your heart broken or you don't suffer there's plenty of suffering every day every second of being alive it's just like difficult but you can transcend it in the sense that you don't get caught up in it you don't take it too seriously you like love yourself through it and i guess in in the simplest terms it's like you don't allow it to harden you cuz that's the difference between the most gorgeous people I've met (laughs) like emotionally and spiritually and you know the people with the biggest softest squishiest hearts who are just like so open and vulnerable even though you know they were born into families who didn't know how to love and they (laughs) had to teach themselves and like you know they mustered the strength and the courage and the grit to just like remain open hearted in a world that really punishes you for being sensitive um you know, that was their reaction to the suffering. It's just, like, to grow more open. It's, like, not to use another cliche, but it always makes me think of, like, coal being turned into a diamond. Like, that's not a beautiful process. That's, like, a, it's pressure and heat and, like, and, like, brutal transformation or like a butterfly and you know like a caterpillar when it goes into the cocoon it's like completely destroyed turned into mush and then it it turns into this like beautiful delicate thing um you know completely made over into something new and and i don't know i think that's like the perfect metaphor for people who remain not even remain soft but become soft through suffering, um, where they find ever deeper reservoirs of love within themselves. And they, they become less judgmental and they become less guarded, more discerning, you know, more smarter about their decisions and like where they go and who they associate with and all that stuff. But like, but still soft. And the people who, allow life and suffering to harden them, you know, this reminds me of most of the members of, like, my family of origin, it's just, like, everyone was so guarded, because they had suffered so much in their life, and they, like, basically only knew suffering, and rejection, and abuse, and hardship, and, like, poverty, and, and that, like, you know, of course, walling yourself up is a is a reaction to those kinds of experiences. You know, I looking back on my life, like I really am humbled by the fact that I didn't become a person who was like hardened by my experiences. And that the reason why I didn't was sort of because of suffering as well because as I've talked about In the context of like privilege, you know, it's like the more comfortable you are in an oppressive system, like the less likely you are to challenge it or question it or want to dismantle it even, you know, like you kind of like the status quo because you're pretty comfortable in it. It's like those people, oh my gosh, this drives me absolutely bonkers (laughs) when there's like a problematic friend in a friend group, right? When like somebody is just a real fucking what's the word i want to use a real uh stinker you know someone's just like really causing trouble super dramatic like makes everyone miserable <laughs> but they're they're targeting like one or two people right and and those one or two people are like can we get rid of this person cuz like they're really bothering me and everyone else in the group is like well they've never done anything to me Oh, I hate uh they've never done done anything to me as person. Like get some loyalty, pay attention to what's going on, and like pick a side man. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like it's so clear when someone is is an asshole and people just like willfully ignore it in favor of like not disturbing the peace or like keeping their options open or like being an opportunist or whatever. <laughs> um, but it's like that, you know. <laughs> Um, I forgot where I was going with that tangent because I just got mad thinking about all those kinds of people I've had in my life. But, um, I understand, like, how you get to a place where you're, like, hardened and you, you're not open to life. You're not open to love. You're not open to joy. You know, you want to dampen those unpleasant emotions, but unfortunately, when you dampen some emotions, you tend to dampen all emotions, and then your experience of life becomes very bland, you know, and unsatisfying, and like this fear of getting hurt again, or this fear of being vulnerable more often than not, is bigger than your, your will to experience life, you know? Anyway, you know, I got a lot of grief from my family when I was young for being, you know, least favorite insult, too sensitive. Like, you know, as if it was a personal failure to be affected by all of the trauma I experienced, you know, <laughs> as if it was a personal fail- failure to have feelings and to have them get hurt. And, you know, I definitely, <laughs> my gut reaction when I was young to, being hurt was to get like physical to be like physically violent and um and you know it's just a way I like protected myself but I was surrounded by like people who were emotional abusers in a way like even my earliest best friend was just kind of a monster like she just would ostracize me and like make fun of me she was always picking on me about my weight like, would turn people against me, like, she was just kind of, like, weirdly Machiavellian for an elementary school kid, (laughs) and, and, you know, there's, like, I was never going to be that kind of person, so I would just fight with my fists, and, you know, that would cause even more problems for me, but (laughs) I eventually grew out of that. You know, I have these, these phases of, of becoming closed off, and, I really didn't enjoy it, you know, I was, it really wasn't in alignment with who I actually was, and so they were things that I outgrew, but I only outgrew them (laughs) because of suffering, like, I, you know, being the black sheep in my family was suffering, like, I didn't feel belonging, I didn't feel accepted, I never felt understood, I always felt like something was wrong with me, in fact, I used to, like, really feel like I was adopted, or, like, aliens dropped me off. (laughs) I just didn't believe that I like came from these people. And that's not to say there weren't sweet loving people or people who had sweet and loving qualities. It's just that like, they were so guarded and, and hard to reach, you know? And I think kids are so intuitive and so open to like emotional information because they don't have any, like they don't have any walls yet. They're they're experiencing the things that will make them build those walls if they have that reaction to like their own suffering but the walls aren't built yet so you're very open and perceptive and and I could feel that everyone was closed off and I could feel that everyone was guarded and like I was learning to use humor as a coping mechanism and I was learning how to sweep things under the rug but you know I would also have these feelings of like just pointing out something that I observed and getting in trouble for it, but being like, that's not fair. Like, I was just commenting, or or yeah, like, feeling really upset that I wasn't allowed to have feelings, that, like, my feelings somehow upset and offended everyone. And not understanding, like, the, how we got from point A to point B. (laughs) Like, how having feelings equaled trouble, or whatever. Um... And just, I don't know. It's like, I can't explain (laughs) why I was a person who got softer, but like I did. And I think it has a lot to do with like maturity. You know, I think, I think feeling like I have been hurt and I'm scared of getting hurt. So I'm going to close myself off is a very immature response to suffering Um, and I think we, you know, healing is not linear and neither is maturing. We go through periods where we're more and less mature dependent, depending on like what we're experiencing or whatever. Um, but you know, it's like when you meet, like this happens with men a lot where like they, you know, their high school girlfriend cheated on them and they've never been open to love since. And it's like, you know, someone who's 35 shouldn't still be guarding their heart because of an experience they had in fucking high school. That's like half your life ago. You know, um, it's like an immature understanding of like how emotions work. And and usually these people are like very emotionally dysregulated, they don't know how to self-soothe, because they just ignore their feelings instead of dealing with them. And these are the kind of people that end up telling you you're too sensitive, or these are the kinds of people that, you know, think that people who struggle with life are or are experiencing like a personal failure, or they're just weak, and they deserve to be looked down upon, or people who think that if they are able to take advantage of someone or abuse someone or manipulate someone, it's the victim's fault for being so manipulatable you know (laughs) they're people who can't really take responsibility for their own actions because they have this uh like massive throbbing pain body that is just like just beneath the surface and the littlest perceived insult or criticism can just like set them off And they usually, you know, they experience, I'm sure whatever shame is going on inside of them is worse than what they project outward. But a lot of times their reaction is to externalize it and project it onto someone else. And then that's how we get, like, volatile arguments or people who do smear campaigns or, you know, all manner of, like, unpleasant social interactions. And you know, I think that all of us have to experience those, like, lower levels of self-awareness and kind of low vibrational, I don't mean that judgmentally, I just, like, don't know how else to say it, um, reactions to our own suffering. It's like, (laughs) you know, spirituality has been immensely, like, I can't even express how helpful it's been to me, but for a lot of my, like, late teens and early to mid 20s my grandma kept trying to give me these like Eckhart Tolle books about like meditating and presence and the power of now and she was very sweet about it and was like this reminds me of you like I think you would get a lot out of it and I was just like oh that's fucking bullshit you know (laughs) like I'm not doing that that's stupid like that's not gonna help me like what what even is that how do you even write about like oh be present it's like no shit Sherlock (laughs) I was just so resistant to it but it was a defensive you know I was coming from a place of defensiveness I was coming from a place of like how dare you suggest that I could feel better and I was coming from a place of closed offness you know this was coming from a person who's like opinions had hurt me greatly in my life so of course I wasn't going to listen to her and you know I just didn't I believed that I was like beyond help that life was never going to feel better that there was no secret to happiness and that like if there is a secret to happiness it sure as shit isn't just like sitting on my yoga mat and chanting or whatever (laughs) but it turns out that is actually my (laughs) my secret to happiness and I was just being a little shithead because I was defensive, because I was closed off, you know, and I have a lot of moments in my life like that that were pretty fleeting, because like I said, the suffering I experienced when I was closed off wasn't as productive for me as the suffering I was feeling from being open, because the suffering I experienced when I was closed off was um, a hopelessness, you know, Uh, (laughs) like a just bleak you know and and you know you sort of lose the the shine of life you lose like the magic of life because if you're not open to experience you're like not open to experience you know and you you don't put yourself out there and you're afraid to be vulnerable and like you you get really self-conscious about being seen and, and you hide yourself away and you just sort of try to blend in and get by and your life becomes like a series of attempts at distraction it's like the anti-presence you know you become all in your head and you get stuck in these like the uh, destructive cycles of thought and these like shame spirals and you know, you're either numb or angry and resentful. Like, there isn't a lot in between. And you can't even touch sadness because that's such a vulnerable emotion to admit to and allow yourself to feel, especially depending on, like, where you fall on, you know, patriarchal notions of masculinity or whatever. Um, and, you know, I don't know. It just... My worst moments were those kinds of moments. And, you know, I definitely struggled with, like, emotional rejection in my life. Like, you know, being open, putting yourself out there, and getting rejected. And and just, or just being rejected for reasons I couldn't explain. Usually because I was autistic, or because I was so traumatized, or, you know, because some fucking jerk didn't like me, or whatever, and they felt the need to make everyone else not like me, or... You know, I've just experienced stuff like that so often in my life. And those were hard times, you know. They were cut me to the quick, you know what I mean? It was just like such emotional suffering and like such deep heartbreak. And there was a lot of shame and and it did become trauma that I had to heal from or whatever. But, you know, I could still like look at a sunset or like go for a walk in the rain or listen to a bird song or or like listen to music and find, you know, a resonant uh, experience in an artist whose work I admired or write in my journal or, you know, I could, there were so many ways I could find to heal and to process and to just like feel through that pain that it it wasn't hopeless and it wasn't I mean, sometimes it was, but it wasn't the same kind of, I don't know, like hollow, um, terrible hopelessness. And it was, it would always pass. You know, it wasn't something that would linger. And I think that's why I always gravitate back towards gratitude and, and like, and contextualizing the suffering in as far as like what it means for my life and what it's showing me one of the most profound and like life-changing things I ever heard was you know a self-help person being like you know stop asking like why is this happening to me and start asking like what is this teaching me And again, I know that's one of those things that really rubs people the wrong way, but it's just been so helpful along my journey because it's always showing me something. Like It's always a mirror to something that's going on inside of me. Um, It's like... (laughs) You know, even if it's a political, something political that you need to unpack or, you know, it can go all the way to the tippy top of the universe and all the way back down into like our smallest cells, you know, (laughs) Um, it can be as big or small, but it is almost always showing you something and it's almost always trying to lead you to the light it's, the universe is like ever-present and the universe is like in our very DNA. It's not an externalized like bearded man who's constantly judging us in the sky. It is like everything. There is a consciousness to it but that consciousness is like our own consciousness and our consciousness and the universe like loves us and in the least judgmental way. Like it just loves us for existing and it wants us to heal and it wants us to feel better and it wants us to be open because, you know, that will make a, the life experience, the life roller coaster better for everyone who interacts with us and everyone who will come after us. You know, it's for our own benefit the things we're learning and the way the universe guides us and and so a big part of self love and healing is allowing that process to happen and a big part of allowing in fact the like main part of allowing is releasing or surrendering and just like letting the experience wash over you i always think about like <laughs> one of my like, worst, hardest, most heartbreaking breakups, and, like, how I was so balls deep in my healing journey that, like, it was awful. I was so devastated. I, like, cried, like, in my, like, from my gut, like, just... (laughs) The tears and like poems and the just sadness pouring out of me and the feelings of loss. Because it was the first heartbreak I'd ever experienced where I was like fully conscious, but also. I could still experience great beauty and great happiness and like it cracked me open so the love was just pouring out of me especially the love towards myself because like making a decision to walk away from something that isn't good for you even if you're enjoying it you know even if you're in love or whatever it was just like a big deal for me, someone who stayed and, stayed and stayed and stayed and stayed and stayed and was always like, I'll choose my own suffering over being alone. You know, I'd much rather be unhappy and with someone than, <laughs> than like, I can't even imagine myself being happy and alone. You know what I mean? And that's just what created this like fearlessness of laying my own boundaries and like taking care of myself and putting my self-love first, uh, you know, in, in every situation I find myself in, it all came from that suffering. But like, you know, when I looked back at previous heartbreaks and the difference was like so stark because when I was younger and more closed off, I would do this thing where I like wouldn't admit I was hurt. I would like pretend like I was fine. You know, I was a big proponent of like success is the best revenge or like happiness is the best revenge. So I would just like really just like never admit I was struggling and never admit I was hurting. And I know I hurt people by like doing that, behaving in that way, but it was this like self-protection thing. And I would just distract myself and like, you know, hook up with random people, which I think was important for me at the time, but it's not something I would repeat now in my mid thirties, you know, or even in my late twenties, I just like would take a step back and like spend some time alone and take myself on dates and like really work on healing before I opened myself up to something new. But back then I was just like, that didn't work out. Let's find something new, you know, and just, and because of that, the pain of the heartbreak, like the rawness of it would last so much longer if I like ever got over it. You know what I mean? It would just, you know, I have a few people in my life who like who are stuck on a relationship that didn't work out. Like everything they write is about it. They bring it up constantly. They talk about it all the time. And it's like, it happened 10 years ago, my guy. Like, <laughs> when are you going to let it go? And it's like, you see how suspended in animation you are. they are. You see how they're not open to anything new. They're just like stuck and running around in circles, chasing their own tail because they like, can't get out of it because they haven't let themselves fully heal like they haven't felt all the way through the heartbreak or the betrayal or whatever and so they're just like you know it's still in it up to their knees and and that's hindering them from progressing and finding what they really want and you know we've all been there we've all done that but um surrendering to the experience of the suffering has helped me like, tremendously, like, to a degree that is is difficult to express, um, and so much of that has to do with choosing softness and choosing to be brave in the face of feeling what you need to feel and allowing yourself to be human in those hard moments instead of expecting yourself to be, like, a machine, you know? <laughs> Uh, Real quick, we're going to take a break for some ads, but we'll be back in a quick sec. Bye. Brought to you by the Haunted Mind of Brit Cannon. A walk-on production. Flight of the final girl. A journey through the nightmare of generational trauma and into the sunrise of survival run don't walk it's flight of the final girl anywhere books are sold welcome back um so the teachings of suffering um I think back to like you know, being the black sheep of my family or like experiencing like early social ostracization. Like, I mean, maybe this is TMI, but who cares? <laughs> I could call this podcast TMI at this point. Um So when I was in kindergarten, I got invited to this girl's like sleepover birthday party. And because of certain trauma that I'd experienced and also like being undiagnosed autistic, like I struggled with, like bedwetting at night. I mean, five-year-olds do, like it's pretty normal. And I like, you know, peed the floor in my little sleeping bag, and I like s- snuck out because this was not new to me. So I like snuck out of my sleeping bag, went to the bathroom, changed into some dry clothes, crawled in my cousin's sleeping bag, and like slept with her for the rest of the night. And because of this, this girl and her mom like told everyone in every class I was in, everyone in my grade, all their parents, the teachers, that I was like a bedwetter. And so I didn't get invited to a single sleepover or birthday party for the rest of elementary school until fifth grade when i got, when i got got to be best friends with this girl lindsay who was a real one she was like such a good friend and and she invited me despite the rumors and it's like what a senseless grudge to hold against a baby and also like i was so traumatized and had so many signs of it and like there was no empathy there no understanding no like fucking consideration or like grace or it's just like so fucking stupid. Like who would do that? What kind of monster? (laughs) But I went through elementary school feeling like an alien, like just feeling like there's something wrong with me. Nobody likes me. I never get invited to parties. And then because of that, like I never learned how to be at a party and like be at a sleepover. I mean, I did have friends in my little cul-de-sac that you know weren't really a part of this whole thing but and I would sleep over their house and stuff, but you know, like a classmate kind of sleepover deal I didn't get to do until I was much older, and so I always felt awkward and out of place at those things anyway and um it was such a bummer and and you know it 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 was really sad and it set me up for some very unsuccessful social interactions combined with you know being autistic and being traumatized and stuff and being introverted um but it was just this like uh like personality creating moment like one of those traumatic things you go through that's like oh God, this is going to shape who I am as a person (laughs) in a not good way. And it did. And after that, like, you know, obviously the being othered started with my family, but like that was an early experience of that. And then that continued for like basically the rest of my life. You know, this thing of like someone taking something um, about me and turning it into something that is like, grounds for (laughs) um social abandonment you know and like turning people against me and like smear campaigns and just you know this experience has been repeated many times over in my life and and it was a bummer like it sucked and it sucked every time I went through this especially because it would trigger me all the way back to being a baby you know and just going through something so many times like this is the this is the clever devil in in trauma right is like you you have a wound and then you experience what feels like confirmation of like whatever message that wound implanted into your brain about who you are inherently you know That's the sneaky snake in the Garden of Eden being like, see, I told you you were unlovable. See, I told you you were an alien. Like, see, I told you you would never have close friends or like fit in or feel belonging. Like, see, I told you you're just like, you know... Bad at being a person (laughs) and bad at having friends, and nobody likes you, and you're ugly and like talentless, and you know, you're a failure at life, (laughs) and just all those messages. But, like, that's actually not the true story. That's just like one thing that you could believe if you chose to. And, you know, all of us spend some time in that energy, of course, because, like, there's not a lot of information in the world about like retraining your brain and therapy is so inaccessible and you know it's rare to find a good therapist (laughs) and you know luckily there's a lot of free self-help content like this podcast out there in the world so like and there have been books written since like you know a million years ago (laughs) not literally but you know a long time ago there have been many many books published about these things that are free or cheap you can find them at the library like the resources are out there but you have to like Know how to find them and like know how to seek them out, and that isn't always easy, especially if you're in a deeply traumatized, like complex PTSD, executive dysfunction place. Like, it's just really hard to wade through those waters and find yourself on the other side of it. But, um, but it's important to understand that like there's always another side of the coin, there's other, always another side of the story you know and and there is always a a very healing process of putting the responsibility where it belongs you know um you know like putting the responsibility of attacking and and like excluding a little baby for like peeing on your floor when 5 year olds do that all the fucking time <laughs> um the responsibility of like who did wrong in that situation is on the the adult woman who decided to do that to a child you know that's her responsibility she needs to live with that energy I don't need to hold on to it because it's her bad you know and this is like instead of internalizing all those messages about like I'm unlovable I'm ugly like I'm a burden and stuff that my family kind of mirrored to me and and led me to believe either consciously or unconsciously is, like, those were adult people that I was in the care of. They didn't protect me. They didn't stand up to the people who were hurting me. They're, like, afraid. They're, they they refused to handle anything. Like, no one stepped up to the plate. Um, You know, no one had any consideration or self-awareness or, like, put the kids first in any capacity. And that's on them. Like, that's as simple as it gets. Like, <laughs> they didn't do a good job and I suffered because of it. But beyond just like, I don't know, that none of it was my fault. And you know, we hear this message all the time, but it kind of doesn't really land um, until you hear it said in the right way. But like, it's, it's so necessary to put the responsibility on the person who was responsible. And that, you know, also means that when it's your responsibility, it's really important to take responsibility. You know, it's like in my adult relationships when I wasn't forthright about the ways I was feeling or honest about my boundaries or self-aware enough to know what I was feeling in what moment or, you know, just not being super discerning about my partners or my friends and just taking anyone who would pay any attention to me because I you know, didn't know my own worth or whatever, like that responsibility was on me. You know what I mean? Like that was a thing that I needed to work on in order to have healthier relationships. And I did and I do. And, um, (laughs) you know, it's just like, you need to know when it wasn't your fault and you need to put that responsibility on the perpetrators of harm and like release yourself from the shame and the burdens of, Blaming yourself for something that was like never ever in a million years your fault. Like couldn't even possibly be your fault. Kids don't, you know, no kid deserves to be harmed. No kid deserves to be ostracized or bullied or abused. Like no kid deserves to feel unwanted or unloved. And if an adult made you feel that way, like, that's their bad. Maybe they have untreated mental illnesses. Maybe they have unhealed trauma. Maybe they are barely functioning. You know, maybe they're struggling super bad. Or maybe they're, like, malicious bad people. But, like, none of that is your fault or your responsibility. So it's really important to, like, let it go and pour in the self-love and self-compassion and, like, reprogram a different story about what went down, one that doesn't center yourself as, like, the subject or the cause or the blame, you know? Um, the, The ways that suffering, like, transforms us is, you know, I love the image of, like, like a boulder with water running over it. You know, at first it's jagged and asymmetrical and rough, but after, you know, years and years and decades and centuries of that water running over the boulder, it becomes smoother and smoother and smoother and rounder until it's just like, you know, the most perfect, (laughs) beautiful, smooth boulder that ever bouldered. (laughs) And that's what, like, life experience is trying to do to all of us. And it will be successful if we let it. And um, this is (laughs) easier said than done in so many ways, you know. It can be really hard to choose softness when we're really, really hurting. And in, in a lot of ways, like, hardening your heart feels safer, it feels like control but it's one of those illusions of control where like the more control you exert like the less you actually have it reminds me of i like was in a you know like a roommate situation with someone whose primary emotion was rage she had like a really serious anger problem And, you know, I don't struggle with that as much because I really tackled it when I was a kid. Like, I eventually came to realize that, like, being so angry and being, like, violent was only gonna lead me to terrible things and situations and consequences in my life. And I didn't actually want to hurt anyone. And, you know, and once I got out of, my home, which was so volatile and violent. And, you know, once I wasn't being hit every day, I could release my own impulses to hit, you know? (laughs) So I tackled it when I was very young, but this person hadn't. And they were actually really identified with their anger you know they they used to berate me all the time for being too sensitive and too emotional and they would say things like you know you're really emotional and I'm really logical and and I used to really believe it you know I used to be like yeah that's probably true like they probably have a better head on their shoulders because they're not like crying all the time or whatever (laughs) but I one day I it occurred to me it was just like being like a little light bulb like hold up anger is an emotion You know, like it's literally an emotion. And you are so wound up so tightly that, like, the littlest fucking thing sets you into a rage. Out, you know, you're just like fly off the handle, say the nastiest things, like push everyone away, just like flip the fuck out. You're really scary. Like I'm scared of you. And I'm constantly like holding my breath and walking on eggshells and making myself as little as possible because I just don't want to set you off and like you see that as logical like that is the opposite of logical at least i can like sit and verbalize what i'm feeling in a calm way at least i can like exist in a space without having everyone on pins and needles around me you know and i realize like you know that's a patriarchal understanding of logic is that like anger is the only acceptable emotion and anything else is like frou-frou and girly and like and beneath me you know but anger is like productive and like and you should be proud of your anger and like (laughs) you don't need to unpack anything because like that's what you're supposed to do and you know that's a way in which someone who's not a cis straight man like was still operating in the operating system of patriarchy you know because they had made all their emotions except for rage unacceptable to them because it was like too soft and you know (laughs) I heard once that anger and sadness are two sides of the same coin and that you if you have an overabundance of one it means you need to access the other and so like if you're a very angry person you're actually a sad person but you're like afraid to feel the sad and if you're a very sad person like you are probably actually angry and you need to like engage more with your anger which totally made sense to me I was definitely repressing my anger (laughs) in and just being sad and I needed to like tap into that anger a little bit to like stand up for myself and lay my boundaries and I I had a hard time doing it back then so it was very true in my experience that like what I needed was a little more anger (laughs) and what she needed was a little less anger and a little more sad But touching sad feelings is, like, the most vulnerable thing in the world, you know? And I think people are so afraid to interact with their emotions and let their feelings kind of wash over them is because they have this fear that, like, I'm a Jenga tower, you know? Like, I'm barely holding it together. And if I feel even one fraction of a feeling, like, it's gonna kill me. Like, I'm... It's all going to come rushing out, and I'm not going to be able to contain it. I'm going to lose all control, right? And it's sort of true that that happens, but it doesn't swallow you whole. You know, you don't cease to exist. Yes, for like a certain amount of weeks or months or years, those emotions are going to pour out of you, and you're going to feel like all you have time for is your healing. You know, it's taking over your life but as you're purging those emotions, you know, as you're really letting yourself feel all the things that you couldn't feel when you were in survival mode, you know, life is becoming fuller and softer and more loving and more vibrant and like more exciting and, and more generous with you, you know, like you, you, don't doubt yourself so much. You're not as riddled with, like, imposter syndrome. You still experience it, but not to the same degree. It's not debilitating, you know? That's the thing with, like, letting yourself feel your emotions is that you, you're you no longer scared of them, you know? They're, you haven't mythologized them to this, like, extreme degree. They're just feelings, you know? It's not that big a deal. <laughs> but when you're, like, operating in that illusion of control, like angry place, your feelings are like the biggest, scariest monster in the world. You, you're doing everything in your power to like avoid them. And that's why it's like actually strength, like real true strength is being vulnerable. Real true strength is feeling your feelings. Like, is there anything more cowardly than someone who like does everything in their power to avoid feeling their feelings? It's like, you can't handle anything. You know, like you're, you're barely holding it together. That's not strength. That's just avoidance. Um, (laughs) so as we wrap it up, just like think about the times in your life where suffering has been your teacher, you know, think about the times in your life where you have suffered and it led you to a softer way of being where it like opened your heart more where you were able to experience something you know transformative because of the ways that you had suffered or if you don't like because of you know how how your reaction to it was like a positive reaction when you could have gone the other way and think about people you've encountered and like whether they were if they have suffered greatly, whether they were an open person or a closed person, and how like life formed around them, sort of like based on their reaction to the suffering they experienced, you know, it becomes clear as day once you start paying attention to it, and like And honor that journey in yourself, you know, when you have become softer in the face of suffering, like congratulate yourself, like celebrate yourself because it's hard to do. It's like the highest level of healing truly. Like it's, it's, um, a thing that you're going to have to revisit again and again and again. Like there are so many forks in the road in life all the way until death. You know, death is one of those suffering experiences that can either, you know, either you watch people resist it with all their might until the last fucking second, or you see these people who like live with such grace, who like reach old age or illness or whatever with like such love and surrender and like gratitude and beauty that it's just like magnetic. Like they're just, you see them and you're like, oh my God, how did they get there? Like, how did they achieve that? I, wanted, I want a piece of that. Um, you know, how brave, how sweet, how powerful they are to, you know, come to the end of their life like that versus like kicking and screaming and being in denial. And, you know, we go through these we go through suffering every step of the way. We're always going to come up against some contrast or some resistance or some, you know, something that is not ideal or whatever. And we're supposed to be allowing it to make us softer. You know, we are all just that boulder in water. Like, don't hold on to your rough edges. (laughs) Just let them go and become smoother and smoother and smoother. Or like, you know, you're just a coal being squeezed into a diamond or you're just a butterfly breaking down into goo or a caterpillar, I guess, breaking down into goo and becoming something lighter and freer and more beautiful. Um, and that's like all we're here to do for real. <laughs> and, you know, I, I really do have like great empathy and respect for like everyone's suffering. Like that's part of why I'm an activist is because like I think our suffering has been (laughs) turned up to a degree that is unacceptable. You know, the systems that we live under that we have to live in alignment with because we're forced to. We don't have a way to opt out. We don't have a choice in the matter. We don't get to consent to this. Um, Makes our suffering greater than it should be. And that's, you know... Awful and needs to be remedied. But even those types of suffering can make you softer, or can, you know, not softer in a conventional way necessarily, but it can radicalize you. Like it it can help you tap into your empathy. It can help you care about others' experiences. It can make you brave in standing up for yourself and others. It can become, you know, it can help you become a voice for justice, which maybe isn't necessarily, like, soft in the way people think of it, but radical activism, like, is, it comes from a place of love. It comes, like, wanting justice is a loving mission, and, um, and so, you know, think about it. Just consider it. Reflect a little bit, and just remember to ask yourself, like, instead of Why is this happening to me? Instead, ask yourself, what is this teaching me? The Walk On Podcast is a production of Walk On Productions. It is written, recorded, hosted, produced, and marketed by yours truly. (laughs) That's right, folks. It's a one-person dog and pony show. If you'd like to help keep us afloat, you can donate on our anchor.fm page. That's anchor.fm backslash brit dash canon. You can also go to my website, BritCannon.me, to access lots of other things like the blog that goes along with this podcast, my two YouTube channels, the Walk On Podcast YouTube channel and my personal YouTube channel that features my poetry and music. You can access the album, Shiny Silver Snakes, that I made with my good friend, Locomoco. You can find... Mantra the EP that walk on the theme song to this podcast is part of and you can find Flight of the Final Girl which is my debut poetry collection. There's also merch, t-shirts, stickers, mugs, lots of other stuff with the swears on them. <laughs> there are photos, videos and links to all of the services I offer including tarot readings, astrology readings, mentorship services if you'd like some one-on-one consultations outside of the realm of tarot and astrology and you can also access my self-love course which is a 30-day journal-centered self-love course that is designed to help you build a deeper friendship and more loving relationship with yourself there are journal prompts guided meditations self-care rituals letter writing assignments and a whole lot more Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for doing the work. Happy healing. Until next time. Bye.